Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sustainable Business Covered podcast. I'm Edie's senior reporter, Matt Mace, and today I'm taking you to the green room, the only place where sustainability professionals can relax and remove some of that corporate armour as we get under the skin of the life, passions and beliefs of business leaders. So, let's get started with the green room. This week, it's located in central London, specifically at the BT offices, where I'm here to chat to the company's head of sustainability, Gabrielle Gina. Now, Gabrielle has worked for BT for around about eight years, I want to say, and oversaw the launch of BT's net goods strategy, as well as setting up the BT supplier forum, both of which I'm sure we'll talk about throughout the episode. So, Gabrielle, thank you for inviting me to your London offices. It's been very welcoming. Um, Can I just ask, is this your office we're located in now? It's it's huge and a bit too conferency, I would have taken it. Yeah, no, we're now sitting in one of our big conference rooms. And um, I just want to kind of set the scene, I suppose. This um, BT offices is is huge. It's a bit like a a labyrinth, I suppose, a multi-layered one. Um, We were walking past walls with Cristiano Figueres' quotes on it. Um, Was that your decision, give a bit of inspiration to, to the staff here, or...? Yeah, I, I think it, it was a decision for us as a team. We were looking for, for quotes and, and to inspire people. And obviously, Christiana has been a huge inspiration to many of us. Definitely. She's um, you know probably the architect. I think that's the, the buzzword yeah. for her, for the um, Paris Agreement. And I suppose it's always nice to have a little bit of inspiration dotted on the walls occasionally. So just before we kind of get started with this chat, I'd like to hear a bit more about you. Um, so how did you kind of develop this passion for sustainability? Um, was there a point when you were growing growing up that you realised that this is something that you you really wanted to pursue? So um, I'm from Sweden Mm -hmm. and I spent all of my summers um, on an island in the Baltic Sea and um, one of the things that uh, was noticeable through my upbringing um, was really how the sea was dying. So the Baltic Sea is is kind of dead and that was through pollution uh, primarily but also um, issues around around climate change and uh, I was also a keen diver and noticing again, you know, the fish disappearing, the reefs um, whitening. And I did reef work looking at, um, you know, the the health of various uh, coral reefs. And you just see the impact of of humans on on nature. And I think that's what um, drove my passion to want to, to do something in this area. And, and so how did that passion kind of translate into um, a, a business sense? I imagine a lot of people that, that have that kind of interaction with, with the environment like that would be tempted to kind of go down perhaps the non-profit um, route. How did you kind of get into BT? Um, <clears throat> before joining BT, I, uh, I worked as a consultant and uh, BT was one of my largest clients. And I think I was excited by, by the technology and how you know technology can change society and can change lives. And so to me, BT was a really interesting uh, company and, and a company I wanted to work for. Okay, and um, I imagine a lot has happened um, between now and when you first kind of started your corporate journey. So in, in regards to, I suppose, the global perception of sustainability, is it something that's evolved? How do you, how do you view it now? Y- y- yes and no. I, th- I think... When I started this, I, I worked primarily on, on carbon footprinting, and uh, you know, back in, in that was about nine years ago. Um, people were not really talking about carbon or carbon footprinting. Um, I think now, at least uh, in corporates, uh, corporates are talking about it, but I think we're still not there where it's a kitchen table type of 
of discussion. So I think uh, more people know about sustainability, they know about climate change. Uh, obviously, the Paris Agreement uh, you know, had a huge impact on, on getting people to, to know more about climate change, but uh, it's still not really out there in the mainstream, I would say. And what do you think would be a quick way of pushing that agenda? I don't know is the, is the honest answer. It's something that, that we discuss here um, you know, all the time. How do we get more people to be involved in the, in the climate issues? And uh, I don't think we've figured out the solution yet. Is, is that a challenge or is, it, is that something that excites you, the fact that there is a solution out there as long as you can work together and find it? Or? I, it's, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a challenge, I think. And, and I, you know, I, I don't think we have the solution yet you know we, we go and we talk to sustainability professionals but we're still kind of you know us talking to to similar people we're still in our in our bubble so to speak okay. and, and so I think that's a challenge for for all of us mm, no uh, definitely we um we ran an article um from the University of Surrey one of their um like professors there was saying the need to kind of bring down these bubbles I suppose and it, he was concentrating on language to join up the sustainability actions of businesses and the kind of the scientific aspect of climate mm-hmm. change it was it was really interesting that that's a bridge that is still that's a bridge that still needs to be addressed even yes. at this stage yeah yeah um but anyway um what i've decided to do is i have a, a list of 10 questions here which i don't think we're going to have time to to get through all of them so um i think we might be able to get through about half so what i'm going to ask you to do is to give me um any number between one and ten and then i will answer that question and you've you've not seen these yet so it could be we could get some interesting answers <laughs> great okay so let's start in the middle i'll pick number five number five okay brilliant so good question to start on as well so what i have here is um the executive summary of your um sustainability report um i'm just going to hand this over to you and i just want to know what was the thing you're most proud of about this report so far um i, th- I think our, our 2020 ambition and that um you know, we have an ambition to help customers reduce carbon emissions by at least three times the end-to-end impact of our business. So when we look at the end-to-end impact of our business, it's not just our own operations, it's our supply chain, and it's also um, customers using our products and, and services. And the fact that um, we are a net positive company, but we have an ambition to, you know, to go further. So last year we were at a ratio of... Um, 1.6 to 1 against our target of getting to a 3. Um, so I, I think that, that that was something when we launched this back in uh, 2013. You know, it was one of the, the first um, companies to launch a, a net positive vision. And that's, um, that's a huge target set as well. I mean, people and businesses, I suppose, you know, they know how to keep control of their own operations and even, you know, their value chain. But actually pushing that onto their, their customers who it must be a lot harder to kind of influence their behaviours in that aspect. So how, how are you helping to deliver this free-to-one target? So, uh, so for example, uh, people using broadband um, and working from home so they don't need to, to travel or video conferencing um, that stops flying and, and commuting. Okay, so, um, and the general perception of it, is there is a resistance here? Is this people, are you, you know... Are you getting customers based on the fact that you're trying to help them reduce their footprint, in, in essence? I, I, I think um, companies are realising that technology can drive efficiencies. So, for example, um, if we look at you know, smart logistics, for example, uh, if you have a logistics chain and um, your drivers have an app 
that helps them become more efficient. And by, by being more efficient, they need to drive less and then reduce emissions that way. So I think customers are seeing the, the efficiency gains they can have. Okay, and would you say that's also probably the most challenging aspect of these things you've listed, or is there, is there something else in, listed in your report that you think that's the, um, that's the area that we're going to be, that's the kind of the hairiest goal that we're going to struggle to hit? I think um, <clears throat> that that's a, gr- a growth area, that, that's a challenging. Another challenge you mentioned is, is supply chain mm-hmm. and, um, you know, working, working with suppliers and um, making sure that they become more sustainable. Uh, we have a huge supply chain. We have a, a supply chain spend of about £10 billion. Pounds. Oh, wow. And we have about sixteen and a half thousand suppliers, so quite a few. <laughs> but obviously, you're, you're taking steps to do that. Um, I mentioned earlier that the suppliers forum is is one thing that you've kind yeah. of had a big part in, in establishing. What's the kind of overall aim aim of that? So, so our, our aim is is really to to engage with suppliers on on sustainability and try to drive innovation around sustainability, so we can get more sustainable products and services. Um, to get suppliers to uh, start buying renewables, mm-hmm. um, buying renewable energy has been, uh, you know, a big part of our sustainability strategy, and uh, we've been buying 100% renewable energy in the UK since since 2012. Okay, um, and and so that's part of the discussion we have with our suppliers as well. Okay, brilliant. Um, so back to the questions. I feel like I should invest in some sort of like wheel of fortune thing where we just kind of spin it and, and see what happens. But um, I'll have to I'll have to talk to, to my editor about that one. Um, so yeah, if I could get a, a next number, please. Uh, how about number two? Okay, number two. So this is kind of almost like one of those um, ink card things you used to look at and you kind of say the first things that come to your head. But obviously, those wouldn't translate very well on a podcast. So instead, I've just got some words. And I basically want you when I give you this word just to, for you to give me a kind of what pops into your head when you hear them. So if we just start off um, nicely with, I suppose, BT. Technology. Okay. Um, science-based goals. Ambitious. Um, the Paris Agreement. Sensational. That's a good, good strong answer like that one. Um, Donald Trump. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a mood we, we've, seen, we've seen reflect on quite a lot, so that's fair enough. Um, probably a similar answer. Brexit. Disappointing. Okay. Um, and weekends. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, what's what's fun about your weekends? Is it is it a case of your? Do you, do you ever get to kind of clock off work when you're when you're out of business like this? Or is is there a chance to like relax and unwind, or is it constantly there's always one mind on on work? No, I I, th- I think what helps, and I'm fortunate enough to to live by a park, mm-hmm. um, and so especially. Uh, you know, during the summer months, just to leave the office at five and go for a walk in the park. Mm. And I find that it, it clears your mind and you have different ideas when, when you're walking and, and just being out in the park and seeing, you know, the shifting of, of the seasons. Mm. So I love it. I love the park. I'm, I'm in a similar way. Like I, I go running quite a fair bit in my spare time and I just take all these kind of village back roads and go running. It is, it is nice, especially in the shifting seasons. Although then I see like, um, like um, some like rubbish or litter on the floor and it kind of gets all wound up again. But it is nice to have that, I suppose, detachment where you let your mind wander. Exactly, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's yeah. nice. Um, that was, yeah, that was a nice quick fire question, that one. So um, a new number, please. Uh, nine. Nine. Okay. Um, what's the biggest barrier you faced in your career so far? I, I guess one one of the challenges is is to get people 
on board to get people on board with um, and supporting what what you're working on mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's something you know in an area such as this such as a sustainability which um, people might say well you know I should be focusing on selling stuff or I have other things to do so uh, why should I care about climate change why should I care about about sustainability and I think that it's a challenge to to convince people that that this makes sense and that it's important I think that's that's true and I mean obviously there's we've seen a few of the quotes um, posted up on the walls and I suppose that's one way of the reminder but um, I imagine a company like BT internally at least it's quite easy to get everyone on the on that same page length and that same kind of striving towards the same goal. Is that, is that fair to say? I, I think <clears throat> we, we've been fortunate. So we started this um, sustainability journey actually 25 years ago mm. uh, when we set our first carbon reduction target. So it's something in BT that I think is in, in, the, in the ethos of the company and the people. Um, I think because we are such a well-recognised brand in the UK and so being a, a sustainable and responsible business leader has been something that that people are very supportive of and, and think is the right thing for BT to do. You mentioned kind of getting that, that motivational aspect of it is it something you find away from work do, do your kind of friends and family all have a similar kind of belief that, that you share or is it a kind of thing of when you when you meet up to you know catch up it's not something they really want to hear about or? It, it, it is something um, <clears throat> that we do talk about. And mm. I think, um, you know, one, one of the things that, that I've realized is that we all have circles of influence. So we're all capable of, of actually probably doing more than we think we are because we can all influence people around us. Um, and, and that's so important. So it is something that, uh, you know, I, I do discuss with, with family and friends. And I think... Sometimes, you know, being Swedish, it's it's um, nature. We're, we're very close to nature, I think, in Scandinavia. And this whole environmental movement has always been part of our culture, I think. And you mentioned the, the culture aspect of it. Um, working in the UK, do you, do you see a kind of different culture? Or? I, d- I do think that um, in in Sweden, we're, we're closer to nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's... Because you know there are less people in there are less people in Sweden. It's a bigger you know bigger country, but you know we do. Everyone does things like pick berries and pick mushrooms and um, go out in nature and you know hunting and fishing, which I don't really see here mm. in England, well, especially not in London. <laughs> yeah. I live in London. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it, it's it, I think it's just a different way of, of, of living perhaps and because it is you know I, I, grew, I didn't grow up in a big city so it was a lot closer to nature mm. that way you know I don't think you'd want to um, eat any of the fish that were caught in the Thames particularly <laughs> any anyway not with not with the kind of pollution and air pollution aspects going on um, probably not the best um, on the topic of do you get to do you get to go go back there um, very often how many times a year and um, yeah I go back probably twice a year and um, I still have a summer house um, in the Baltic Sea mm-hmm. where I grew up, so I still have that, and I go there every summer. Okay, that's nice. Um, so that was that was three numbers we've said. I'm, I'm losing yep. track now. Okay, brilliant. Um, if do you want to want to give me another number? Yeah, how about um, number two? Uh, we've had two. Oh, that we was had the um, two. yeah. That was the that was the Sorry. the ink cards. Um. Okay. How about number four? No, no. Number 
Gosh, now you have to pick. Number three. <laughs> Number three. Okay. Um, this, this, always, um, this always gets good responses. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I think it comes back to what we discussed earlier, but not to underestimate the change that we as individuals can make. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think people sometimes feel that, um, you know, I, I can't make a difference, I shouldn't care, but actually you can make a difference. Um, and I, I think people sometimes fall into the trap of, of thinking that, you know, whatever they, they do doesn't matter. Um, you know, for example, like voting, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so important, you know, we... We're fortunate enough to live in a democracy where people have the right to vote and then, you know, people don't vote. And I find that really hard to understand. So in, in regards to, I suppose, speaking back to the sustainability, is, is there a way to share that message with people? Because I, I remember the, the old adverts that used to tell you not to leave your TV on standby and always turn the lights off. And I think people are probably a bit, a bit tiresome of that, that rhetoric. So is there a way of giving people that motivation that they can begin to make a difference in this area? I, I, I think so. You know, if, if you look at, for example, um, recycling, you know, a lot of people now do recycle. People understand that, um, you know, there are finite resources and therefore recycling is a, is a, is a good thing to do. Um, but simple messages, and I think that that's where we struggle a bit, is to translate, you know, the whole climate change agenda and, and what it means for, for people and... and um, you know, that, that the weather is changing, climate change is here, it's real, but people have so many other things to think about mm. that it becomes a probably too much to think about. And I imagine it, it doesn't help, especially in the last couple of months where we are kind of living in this, uh, you can call it post, post-fact, post-truth or alternate yeah. fact space, that kind of muddies the waters in terms of that message? Definitely. I, I, I think, um, you know, people don't know what to what to believe and who to believe. And, and I, it was, you know, it's the same in, the, in for example, I remember in the, in the run-up to, to Paris, I was watching a, a debate um, with, um, with a friend of mine who's not involved in the, in the climate, you know, action mm. um, kind of movements. And uh, it was this interview, and there were people speaking about, you know, climate change being real and it happening. But then there was um, an opposing person who said, no, 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 it's not real, it's not happening. And so he goes, well, what am I supposed to believe? Mm. Right? And I, and I think that, that's, that's hard for people. Yeah, it's, it's kind of accelerated as well in, in these last couple of months um, to, to the point where, yeah, I think people, and if they don't know what to believe, it, it's probably tempting just to kind of almost bury your head in the sand and just think it's quite a tough decision to make. And it's probably, like you said, similar to that elections. There's too many different sides. Too many, it's a bit of a, a, a war of words almost yeah, going, yeah. going on. And I imagine it's the same in that kind of climate science debate. So um, as, as a business, obviously, you know, you're clearly on, on that side that, and as, as most are that, you know, it, you know, climate change is a human false thing. 90, I think it's like 99 percent of climate scientists would would agree, um, would agree with that. So why, in your opinion, is, is it are these kind of select few being able to make so much noise and cast so much doubt onto it? I, I, I think part of it is because um, you know, sometimes media tries to show, they want to show two, two stories, right? Mm-hmm. Even though we know there's, there's one, well, we think there's one truth, right? You know, um, climate change is happening. But um, when you then try to say, but here's the other argument. So, that, you know, they, they want to ha- portray both sides. And I think that's 
uh, when people when people get confused, and that's why you know the skeptics get such a, su- such prominence because they are you know featured, mm. for example, in 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 interviews and debates. And do you ever um, on the topic of the media? Do you ever like, get home from work and, and put on the TV and you see like the news, like either BBC or Channel Four or something, and they, you see them talking about. Um, a big climate story, like um, there might have been a big report about rising sea levels or stuff like the Paris Agreement, and you just think, oh, I, I know all of this, I'm just going to you know, switch Hollyoaks on instead or something like that. Do you, do you still detach yourself, or is this something you're still invested in um, when you get home from work after a long day? No, it's, it's, it's something when, it, you know, if the TV's on and I see something about, about the climate, I will stop and mm. watch it. Yeah, I will. Just in it's, case there's a dip something you I haven't picked up before? It's just interesting, and I, and I think... You know, this is something we're always learning, right? We're always learning different things, and um, you know, so it's it's good to see what what people are saying, really. Okay, so not not a Hollyoaks fan is what we're picking up here. No, <laughs> I've never watched Hollyoaks. <laughs> no, so. Okay, um, okay. So I think we've got time for maybe one or two more numbers. So if you want to go ahead with that, yeah. How about seven? Seven. Okay. Um, we have kind of touched on this a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see just as a uh, more kind of focused sense, how do you see the role of a sustainability leader and a, and a, and a business that's invested in sustainability changing over the coming years and into the future? Yeah, I, 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 was, I was thinking about that. And, you know, on the one hand, I'm thinking, well, well maybe um, this, this role won't, wouldn't exist and that might not be a bad thing hmm. um, because sustainability um, becomes so ingrained in every corporation that you don't need ahead of sustainability anymore because it's part of the, of the company and, and and so it's just natural that that it happens and so you you don't need a role like mine and is that something that um it would happen to every company before one or two can start doing that or is that something that there will reach a point where the the leaders can start integrating that, at that sense it will probably be yeah where, where I think leading companies start integrating to 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 that sense that it's just you know part of of the whole company so it's not a specialized function. Okay, and um, there's been a couple of huge global frameworks, obviously um, Paris Agreement and obviously the SDGs yep. coming into force. Has that has that made the role easier? Does it make your job easier, or does it actually add an extra element that you now have to kind of explore? I, I, no, I do. I do think uh, it's made it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the you know the SDGs in terms of providing a, a strategy, a global strategy, uh, it's been been really helpful. Okay, yeah, I completely um, agree with that. I think we do have time just to squeeze um, one more question in, perhaps. So um, if I can just get one more number from you. Number six. Have I picked that? No, you haven't. Um, okay, so it's quite a simple question, really. Um, if you weren't a sustainability professional um what would what would another career would you be doing right now oh wow um i could have changed i really wanted to be a marine biologist mm. and that's i suppose very kind of linked to your your childhood round yeah. by the baltic yeah. sea okay yeah, that's fascinating but i think i'm a bit too old for that now sadly uh, never never too late to change careers yeah okay that's been um fascinating i i definitely think um investing in the kind of wheel of fortune will make this uh, a little bit easier so you can actually see what other questions we were we were hoping to ask but but couldn't Gabrielle, thank you very much for your time and your insight today um i think our listeners are really going to appreciate hearing from a leader in sustainability 
um, especially when these questions allow us to get kind of more of a personal reflection on, on yourself. Um, have you enjoyed it today? Yes, thank you very much, Matt. Good, good. That's, that's the main thing. That's what we, <laughs> we want. We don't want our, our sustainable resilience coming out absolutely petrified about the questions we're asking them. I have enjoyed myself too. Um, I'm sure our listeners have. And we will be back soon with the next episode. Um, I think the next um, podcast episode is, is just back in the, in the kind of studio with myself, uh, Luke and George. Um, but before I go, just a reminder that these podcasts are available Um, on iTunes and can also be listened to via the ED website so this is Matt Mace signing off from the green room goodbye